Well, hello and welcome to a special edition, I should say, of Afternoon Ask Anything. It's a rare thing in, in our business at, at, at DK Pittsburgh Sports, as our most tenured staffer can attest, when we have all three teams going with so much news and so much stuff, isn't it, Taylor? Taylor Haas is with me, by the way, in, in Washington, D.C. Yeah, busy, busy time. <laughs> for, for everybody. Uh, she's down there doing Penguins versus Capitals at 7.08. Pirates actually have a day off. They played uh, last night and start a new series tomorrow against St. Louis. And then, of course, there's this little football thing um, going on tonight here. Uh, here's how it works. Leave your uh, leave your questions in, in comments and, and whatever else here, and we'll uh, – and we'll take them on as we're going here. Thomas says, hello, how are you doing? We're going to start with an easy one here, Tom. I'm doing about as well as this this coffee is going to make possible. Taylor, how are you doing? Great. We just talked about it. Exciting. Uh, electric optional skate this morning. <laughs> Let's start with a hockey one since we have Taylor on board. Beckett asks, when do you think POJ will be back in the NHL? That's, that's a good, hard question to get us going. Uh, I mean, next season. Uh, I don't think he comes back up this season unless I need him due to injury. But, I mean, he, he's looked good uh, since they sent him down to Wilkes-Barre. I just think there's not really a spot for him right now um, unless, you know, a left-handed guy gets hurt. But I still think that maybe they move a left-handed guy in the offseason like Pedersen, uh, and then you open up a spot for him. But uh, right now I just don't think that there's a there's a spot for him, and uh, it's just not the best best option for him to be up in, as, like, an extra guy. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would take that a little further and say that the decision that this this new management team has to make this offseason that might be the most compelling one is what to do with Cody Cece, who's going to be a, a free agent uh, unless they do something to keep him. And boy, should they keep him, you know, in which case POJ is facing the same uphill climb unless you can trade Marcus Pedersen or move somebody else out. Well, that's why, you know, people ask for, like, who are you going to protect in the expansion draft? For my three defensemen, because Joseph and Marino are exempt, you have to protect Latang. So my other two, um, I, I would say Dumoulin and CeCe. CeCe is a pending unrestricted free agent, but in the expansion draft, if you want to keep a, a pending UFA, you have to protect them because if Seattle wants them, they can and will and will take them. So, uh, I mean, CeCe, the way he's been playing, I would, I would pick him. Gwen jumps in and says, I uh, agree. I love CeCe. Uh, Brian asks, if, if the Pirates are competitive, is there any chance they build on what they have going? Uh, if you mean in season, Brian, uh, we're way, way, way far away from discussing whether or not the Pirates should be buyers at the deadline or something. They're, they're 12 and 12, and it's April. Uh, what they've done has been a pleasant surprise, uh, but I don't think there's a need to take it a whole lot farther than that right now. Um, miracles do occur you can knock Mitch Keller out of the rotation you can make other things work better uh and you can become competitive but uh, that's you know that that's that one's a little bit uh too hypothetical um for my taste here let's see what else we got here Mike Bober asks how does the acquisition of Jeff Carter change which forwards the Penguins protect I don't think it does because I mean, you're regardless of how good he plays, I still don't think you're protecting him uh, either way. Just because Seattle's not going to want to take a guy who they're only going to have for like probably one more year. Um, so I mean, what the under the seven three format, you can 
seven forwards, obviously, uh, Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Rust, Kapanen, and then you're down to two. Um, and those two probably would go to two of Tanev, Bluger, or McCann. Um, I think you leave Zucker unprotected. Uh, uh, and I, I, I just think those those two spots come down to McCann, Tanev, and Bluger. So um, that's what I said before. I don't think Carter changes that at all. E. Torres says, any particular reason the Steelers extended Mason Rudolph the day of the draft? For anybody who hasn't heard, there was, this was literally just in the last few minutes that there's a one-year extension uh, with Rudolph. For anybody who doesn't know further, uh, Mason had one year left on his deal. So what you were going to have is this awkward situation where it looks like it'll be Ben's final year ever. It would be Rudolph's final year with the Steelers. And then you have Josh Dobbs and Dwayne Haskins. So you had a like a, a total kaboom scenario coming after 2021 as it relates to quarterbacks. And I can see why the Steelers would have wanted uh, to address that. Karen asks if my thoughts have changed with Todd Frazier. I'm not sure exactly what you mean, Karen. I, I know that uh, he had a hit last night. He had a, a two-run double, uh, had a couple of good at-bats. He's batting one for 17. And – what my original thought was with Mr. Frazier that seemed to tick him off so much was that Philip Evans had outperformed him in spring training. Well, guess what? He did. <laughs> I mean, significantly. Now, Evans has struggled a lot since then. But my thoughts in spring training actually had nothing to do or very little to do with Todd Frazier and way more to do uh, with Philip Evans. But to answer it, you know, wake me up when he's not one for 17 here. John Marker says, uh, he says, task. Tuka Rask had too much line of sight. Should Radim Zahorna and or Goudreau, Lafferty, Angelo get in the lineup? If you mean to screen Tuka, <laughs> you know, I mean, remember that Mike Sullivan told us after the game that he actually was okay with the bodies that the Penguins put in front. He wasn't okay with the inability to get the pucks through, which is a different layer. Yeah, I don't think um, we see, just with the Fords coming back, I don't think we see the Horner, Lafferty, or Angelo again this season. But wow. like we talked about, well, I, who, unless they have injuries, who, who would they come in for? Well, I, I don't know if it's, here's, here's, I don't think it's a matter of who they would come in for. I think that might be an opponent-specific thing. Let's say, for example, that Washington is the first-round team, and Washington has everybody, and everybody knows that the Capitals are a bigger team that doesn't mind getting snarly with you. If you have Brian Burke as your president of hockey operations and he mentions the word truculence even once in the playoffs, that's when I think you could see some of these guys. Not that Angelo and Lafferty are roughhouse types or whatever, but it would at least give the lineup a little bit more size. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for truculence, I still don't, I, Zahorn is probably not your best no, option. No, I think he's, not, he's just tall. He's just, he's, yeah, he's just big. Um, I mean, but Goudreau, I think, gets in the lineup tonight in place of Jankowski. Um, that's not obviously not a size thing. That's just that he's a better hockey player than Jankowski. Uh, but I mean, again, and, and, and Angelo, too, has looked good in Wilkes-Barre. I've seen him since um, he got set down. He had a really good, good play yesterday and the tying goal to force overtime. So um, seen good things from him. Gwen wants to know when the expansion draft is. I actually don't know that. 
I know July, it's this year. July 21st. Um, it's a, so a week before free agency opens. So that's why if, if you know, you have to, if you want to protect a guy who's a pending uh, free agent, like they have to be protected. Um, like, cause looking back at the Vegas, uh, the Vegas draft of their 30 selections, nine were pending UFAs. Um, in which case they either sign them themselves them. mm-hmm. or, or they trade them away to teams that will sign them and get the picks. So, you know, if you want to keep CC, even though he's a pending UFA, you have to protect him. I feel so bad for Ron Francis on so many fronts because <laughs> what, what George McPhee did in Vegas was literally without precedent because there had never been an expansion draft like that. Uh, but he also gamed the system so badly and he fooled so many gms and ticked off so many people and a ronnie's not nearly that mean he's like one of the nicest people on earth and and b all the tricks were exposed and so if you're a team like the penguins and you have ron hextall and brian burke in place they're they're gonna know everything every little loophole that mcphee exploited at the time and make sure that ronnie can't do it uh to them. Daniel Matos asks, Taylor, how do you see Alex Dorio's ceiling? Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, that's that's one of their top goaltending uh, prospects. Yeah, I mean, he's looked uh, – it's hard to say just because he's, like, risen so quickly. Um, I mean, he, he played all last season in the East AHL just because they had too many goalies. Um, he started this season in the East AHL again because they – well, he started in the taxi squad and then went down to the East AHL for playing time because they had a lot of goalies. Um He's back up, and he's uh, Wilkes-Barre's number one goalie. Um, and it just it seems every game he's getting better. They're talking about, like, the coach and the players, about how, you know, calm he is and steady back there. And um, he just gives them a lot of confidence. I mean, yesterday, uh, his 22nd birthday, he had a 41-save win. That, that was – I feel like every every game he plays, I'm like, okay, that's, like, the best he's looked at this level, and he just keeps getting better. So, um, but like I said, 22 years old, he's very young. Um, so, I mean, could he reach the NHL? Uh, for sure. It's hard to predict these, these goalies, but as young as he is and as good as he's looking right now, like, I would not rule it out. It's another it's another goaltender's birthday today, too, right? Tristan Jari, and it's funny, Mike Sullivan was asked about that today. Like, the way the question was phrased is, like, Tristan Jari's birthday is tonight, and then... Is he uh, starting? You, uh, <laughs> no, well, Sullivan actually volunteered that at the beginning, but no, but it was Tristan Jari's birthday tonight. Do you have any, like, memories of games on your birthday or something like that? And Sullivan said, I was not aware it was Tristan's birthday, um, but he said, uh, I believe when it's your birthday, it's your birthday all day. Um, and then he did not remember having any good games uh, for his on his birthday uh, in particular. So uh, You know what? Sully, Sully was a fourth-line plugger. He didn't have too many super memorable games as an <laughs> NHL player. Chris Carter has joined us to talk some football. Uh, Golf Doc gets us started here. No top running backs. The big three available. At what position should the Steelers pick? I think what he's asking is if, if none of them end up – I'm not seeing three running backs taken in the top 23. Yeah, I'm not either. Sorry for being late. Had a uh, family emergency here. But uh, it's linebacker. I I think there's too many good prospects in the first round um, that with Zayvon Collins, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, one of those guys being available. I also like Jamin Davis out of Kentucky. All three of those guys, talented first-round guys. Pair them with Devin Bush. Your defense is going to be lights out. I'd put Caleb Farley in that in that reign as well. If he's at 24, that's going to be tough to pass up uh, in this hypothetical where running backs are gone. But that that's about it. 
Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, will the Steelers draft an offensive lineman? Uh, yes, at some yes, point. Yes, they, they will. I don't know. I don't know if Matt's asking about the first round. Uh, there's no way they're getting through this draft with this level, this quality of offensive tackles that are there in the depth. Um, honestly, Carter, I think I think I'll be surprised if they don't end up with one of those guys in the first three picks. I, I think there could be two guys in the first three picks. I, I've, I've done multiple mock drafts where they get a center and a tackle along with a running back. And the, like the first, like first three rounds by day, end of day two, it's all off. It's offensive line, running back, boom, boom, boom. And I got down the line. I think that would make a lot of sense for what they need and for the problems that they had last year, they could get a slot corner, an edge rusher, both in the fourth round, who I think would be good contributors into helping his glue pieces on defense. And Ivan Reif asks, can you describe Jankowski's game? And, 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 and Ivan puts multiple question marks after that, which would actually be my response. <laughs> Why does Sullivan Honestly, seem like <laughs> I really don't have an answer for that. It's hard to say. I mean, in Calgary, he, he wasn't producing a whole lot, but he was, you know, good defensively. He's really not even no. so much that here. Uh, he does kill penalties, but like we've, talked about before they have guys who probably can do it better um why does Sullivan seem to like him I wouldn't even say that he necessarily does I just think that uh his hands were kind of tied with the injuries they've had and I mean like we've we talked about earlier based on the clues from the morning skate this morning I think I think Gaudreau is in and then Jankowski is is out so um first opportunity where it really makes sense to take him out I mean he's out so I wouldn't say Sullivan necessarily Really likes Jankowski. Yeah, and the thing about Jankowski is not a lot of people know this, but he was a first round pick of the Flames because he's a he's a he's a big dude, which also nobody knows because he doesn't play big. He's six four and doesn't do anything uh, to use that size. And there was one season. Correct me if I'm wrong, Taylor. One season where he did pop a few goals for the Flames, and yes. and I think that got everybody's hopes up, and he showed up here like a house on fire in that opening series in Philadelphia. And then just poof, man. I mean, he was just, just gone. Hey, don't be shy about leaving baseball questions here. I don't see any baseball on here. Daniel asks any chance BJ Finney is the starter. <laughs> uh, slim chance. Uh, actually not that slim a chance. Slim. I, 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 I'd rough. say, yeah, I'd say 40, 60 against because I do think they're drafting a center in the second round this year, uh, especially if they get their running back in the first round. There's too many guys in the, in, in the second round who just fit what they what they need. If they got Landon Dickerson or, or Quinn Myers or Creed Humphrey or Josh Meyer, I think all of those guys could fight and get a starting spot at, at least by either week one or week four, or week five. But B.J. Finney, one thing to remember is that last year, the reason it was so rough for him is because he didn't get to work out. Like, he was he was stuck at home. He didn't get to go to Seattle. He was traded to Seattle where it was the first hotbed in the United States when it came to COVID. And then he was traded to uh, the, the, the Bengals, who Bengals, yeah. said they didn't even want him. And it was yeah. just like, yeah. So I, I give I give BJ Finney the, uh, the credit. He might be better than people think, but I also don't think – I also think if they draft a guy – they're going right ahead of them. You guys want to hear something awesome? This is this is the reward that you get for watching fine programming like this. When I, when Ramon heard when Ramon Foster uh, from our staff heard that BJ Finney was coming back to the Steelers and that he'd be playing center, Ramon's first remark was, "Oh man, 
And I go, what do you mean, Ramon? He goes, well, Ben thinks that BJ has sweaty hands. And I go, what? (laughs) Well, if you think about it, he's snapping the football. Right. And then if, if BJ Finney has sweaty hands and he's snapping the ball to the quarterback, the ball's going to be slippery. So this is, this is scouting like that. You can't get anywhere else, Carter, you know? Yeah, no, that's amazing. Again, that's inside football information. Like BJ Finney, sweaty hands. (laughs) Uh, Richard deal asks, which one Pirates player do you think would make a good crossover if they tried out for hockey? And vice versa with the Penguins. Well, we know what the answer is on the Penguins end, and I'll let Taylor do that one. But I'll say from the from the from the Pirates end, which player would be good at hockey? You'd want somebody who's got some quickness, who's got some athleticism, who's got some hops to them. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say Eric Gonzalez. He is he's such a natural, uh, elegant athlete and we saw that with the spectacular double play he turned at third base and then he goes and he hits a a 453 foot home run there's nothing that eric gonzalez can't do athletically and that's what i think of when i think of hockeys i'm thinking of 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 fast of quick twitch muscles and taylor who would be the best penguin at playing baseball i mean we've seen crosby hit him out of the park at at pnc park already so it has to be him although didn't he and, he and Jack Johnson got kicked off their high school baseball team. Do you remember that story? It was no. like the pitcher like drilled Crosby. Yeah, the pitcher drilled Crosby and Jack Johnson charged the mound. Uh, and Crosby got involved and they got kicked off their uh, their high school baseball team. I can so. totally see Jack charging the mound. Kevin James <laughs> asked, what's up with Mitch Keller? Like, we know he's great, but does he or what is his issue? Um. Mitch Keller has what pitching coaches refer to as a lack of conviction. Uh, What someone outside the baseball realm would refer to as a lack of courage. I'm not comfortable attaching that label to anyone, uh, including the the athletes that we cover. It's not something that you throw out loosely. Uh, When you say someone let's say, for example, in football is a wide receiver who doesn't like to go over the middle. What are we really saying, Carter? You know, <laughs> you saying you don't want to get hit. You saying you don't want to get hit. Uh, if if we're saying Taylor that there's a a forward that is a perimeter type that doesn't want to go to the net, what are we saying? I mean, it's just you know yeah. they, they lack <laughs> they lack courage. Um, yeah. Whereas when you hear Mike Sullivan talk about Jake Gensel, who's half of everyone's size, he just says, "That's funny." Jonathan says, most likely Capitals player to drop the gloves tonight. Is it Chara or Wilson? Uh, I mean, I, I, I think I'd have to say Wilson just based off of uh, the history, uh, especially the last time they, they were here and um, the way he was running guys. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know if we see a fight tonight. I was going to say, I, I was gonna say, is neither an option? Because it takes two to tango. And who on the Penguin side is going to go fighting anybody? Really? Who's going to actually, who's going to irritate anybody enough to get a fight going? Um, you know, it's got to be a case yeah. like where DJ Oshi or somebody ticks somebody off, but I, I don't, you know. I mean, the Capitals are going to be without, you know, enough guys that they might just be that uh, pissed off. Because when Ovechkin's out, Carlson might be out. Um, he's a game they time need to decision, stay out of the so box. it might be kind of a, yeah. it, it might be kind of an ugly game, but yeah. 
Uh, Paul asks if Najee isn't there at 24. Do the Steelers trade doubt? Well, it sure sounded that way from what Kevin Colbert told us the other day at Heinz Field. Yeah, I, I just I look at the talent that this draft has. And I mean, I wrote a talking points about this weeks ago saying that it's trading down should absolutely be in the in the reservoir of moves. It's like, hey, this is this is a very good possibility this could happen. Um, you know, trading down would get you hopefully another day two pick. And if you get another day two pick, that's the sweet spot in this NFL draft to get your linebacker, to get your center, to get a corner, to get an edge rusher. Like that would be a place where if they had three picks from there, those are three guys that could that could probably contribute. Now, here's the thing is how far do you you trade back and who do you trade back with that's why i wrote up this morning uh why i think the saints are probably their best chance yeah. now uh, after the chiefs trade away at 31st pick i thought for sure i'm like the chiefs that's easy they'll want to get a tackle at 24 they because they lost all their tackles this year so they'll trade up and now the ravens out there like well that ain't happening but the saints they need a corner and they need a linebacker now supposedly according <laughs> to jake glazer They've called all the way up to the 10th overall pick of the draft with the Cowboys. So the Saints are interested in moving up. But how how how, how interested yeah, are how they? Much? Do they want? That's going to be interesting. And, hey, if they can get a second-round pick out of this, that would be an amazing steal. And yeah, and it's, and it's all yeah. contingent on the running back being available. And I, I'm, I'm saying running back singular. I really believe this is about Harris. David asks mm-hmm. – Taylor, are there any college free agents the Penguins signed in recent years who look like they can provide a Brian Rust, uh, Zach Aston Reese, or Connor Sherry production in the next few seasons? And before you answer, I saw a related question up here that I think you can twin uh, with that. John says, yeah, Taylor, was. Uh, he, I was able to see the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins against the Hershey Bears this past Saturday, and Cam Lee seemed to stand out. What's the word on him? Yeah, I mean, Cam Lee would have been my pick there. Um, oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> with, with, yeah, I mean, because with he's a, he's an offensive defenseman, and the thing with offensive defensemen when they transition to, you know, the pro game is just kind of learning what they can get away with um, at this level and what's going to you know pay off and what's going to burn them um, as far as like offensive uh, production. So um, that's been the story with him this year. Like you'll see, like a bad turnover kind of. Uh, defensive laps every now and then, but he has gotten better uh, with that as the season has gone on. He's very um, elusive. Uh, he has he was quarterbacking the top power play until P.O. got set back down. Now he just quarterbacks the second unit. Um, and I, 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 I've liked what I've seen from him doing that. Um, I mean, that would be my pick. And as far as other college free agents, I mean, Drew O'Connor, I mean, we've already seen him at the NHL level, but I, I don't know. I think he probably just wasn't ready. Um but not kind of seeing him, I mean, he's a point per game in Wilkes-Barre. Um, and just seeing, you know, the way he drives to the net and the plays he's making along the boards. Um, and just what he's been able to do with more regular playing time, I think that's uh, really encouraging to see. And I think if he can just play in Wilkes-Barre a little bit longer, get comfortable before he comes back up, I think that'll really help him. And maybe we can see more of that actually translate to the NHL level. I love this question. Ramel Edwards asks, <laughs> I'm trying not to get my heart broken. Should I start buying into the Pirates this season, or will there be a cliff after the break? Ramel, if you're looking at the 2021 season and you're judging it by that, because most often when I've gotten this question over the past week or so, it's been about that. Like, should I invest in this season? The answer is, of course, no. They're just, they're not there. What they've done has been a very pleasant surprise. It's come with real components, which makes it 
that much more pleasant, meaning it hasn't been a fluky feel. When they've won games, they've blown people out. They're doing some legitimately good things, especially the bullpen. But you have to understand, this is a longer process. It really is. This team isn't going to be contending or winning a championship. So you have to keep moving, guys. And you're going to see, I'm telling you, when this trade deadline comes, whether it's a Colin Moran or a Richard Rodriguez, and everyone's going to see, here they go. I was just starting to invest. I was just starting to get like Ramel. Ramel got into it, so I got into it, you know? And and then you're getting rid of all your guys again, but it's not that simple. You have to game the system in 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 baseball. Matt says, draft day. Gentlemen and lady, are we bolstering the offensive line first or drafting a running back? And since he addressed the lady, I guess Taylor can take this one, right? They're absolutely drafting a running back first. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, don't on the I don't I have no idea. <laughs> but Someone here's my thing. We I think every analyst that I've talked to is, is in agreement. This running back draft cl- class is Najee Harris. Well, we did, there you go. There's my hand. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. Javante Williams, everybody else. You're right. So, but the tackle class is like, here's the top, here's the next guys, here's the next guys, here's the next guys, here's the next wide receivers. It's like wide receivers. Exactly. This this there's just so many. There's so many of those guys. You can get center in the in the second round. That's why I keep advocating. Look, if if uh, if Penny Sewell falls to you at 24, absolutely go get the guy. That's better than a running back situation. But if we're talking Rashawn Slater, Christian Derisaw, and Sewell are all off the board, which I expect them all to be, I think the pick has to be the running back over the offensive tackle. And there's not a single center that I would take over any of the top three running backs right now with uh, you know with the with the Steelers' needs. So uh, you can do both. I don't understand the people that say that if you do the running back, your offensive line is just doomed to stink for the for rest of eternity. E1 Racing asks. Thoughts on the next contract for Brian Rust, five and five. I, why do I want to say that he's actually signed for a while? Um, I, God, I have no idea. Yeah, off the top of my head, that's a tough. Uh, one. I'd say if you head. can get it, yeah. you can get yourself yeah, a first one, line has, right winger. <laughs> he has he has one more he has one more year after this. So oh, okay. No, he's not. Um, might be thinking of Gensel. That but, is um, good. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's probably a good uh, five by five is probably a good uh, estimate. Well, you have to look at age more than anything when you do these. And as as outstanding as as as, as Rust is right now and what he's made of himself as a complete hockey player, as a legit first line winger in the National Hockey League from where he is, he's the most self-made player on the Penguins roster. He's one of the most self-made players in the National Hockey League. But Brian Rust's game is based on, principally, speed. So you always have to mitigate that and consider it whenever you're talking about longer-term contracts here. Sherrod asks, I don't know if this will help, but could Mitch Keller benefit at all from going to Indianapolis for a few weeks to take the pressure off so he can figure out how to command the strike zone? I have a couple responses to that. One is, um, A, Indianapolis actually starts playing. On Thursday, we're finally going to have minor league baseball. Uh, hmm. 
this weekend, which is great. And I'm happy for all the, the people of those organizations and those small towns and the Altoonas and everywhere else that they finally get their teams back for the first time in a very, very, very long time, going back to the end of 2019. Uh, two, I don't know that Keller going to the minors is going to help his confidence. I mean, you're kind of dumping all over him when you do that. Uh, he doesn't have an issue commanding the strike zone, Sherrod. He has an issue with wanting to pitch into it. He has command. He's always had command, including when he was in the minors. I don't know that that's going to be solved by sending him down there. I'd rather see him go uh, to a long uh, relief role. Gwen asks, is Ben capable of throwing the long pass anymore? We didn't see it until the end of last season. No point in saving his arm. What do you mean we didn't see it until the end of last season? Well, we did. I'm with the 84 yard bomb into Chase Claypool in week two. The the the, the he, come on, people. It, it wasn't. Okay, you're he, being literal, but I think Gwen is saying that we didn't see it on a consistent basis. He did stop throwing deep. He stopped. Okay, I don't mean to be Gwen's own, spokesman here, but of his own volition. It's not that he can't throw the deep ball. Some they need to get. I, I well, think I could pro- say that, Carter. I could yeah. walk onto the field and say, well, "I don't feel like throwing sixty-five yard passes today, everybody." Yeah, but my point <laughs> is this: is that what what keeps being said is that Ben can't throw the deep ball. He can't throw the deep ball. I'm like, yes, he can. He does, and we saw in the Browns game, in the playoff game, as soon as he did, points came up. We're going up on the board all all over the place. He still has the deep ball. I think what what happens is this: I think Ben Roethlisberger for the past several years has wanted to be more like Tom Brady and pick at people underneath and do the Tom Brady like things. And that has led to him overlooking some obvious things. I mean, the, the, you know, one of the big plays of the season when Juju fumbled against the Bengals, he checked down to Juju in double coverage when Chase Claypool was walking 40 yards, down, 20, 25 yards. Now it wasn't even that long of a throw, but he was walking up. It was his hand in the air. Like I am wide open. And he, if, if he had just thrown a rainbow to him, he could have caught it and scored a touchdown, but he checked it down because I think he was too much in his head that he had to do this check down game and do this short passing game. That's what a running game will help you get out of because now he knows, hey, I got this running game for the short yard stuff. Let's just work the deep ball. That's what needs to change this year. We're gonna, we got time for two more today. We'll take one hockey and one football. Daniel asks, I always had a curiosity. Why is the Penguins affiliate named the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins if the team plays in Wilkes-Barre and Scranton is like 20 miles away? Oh, you're asking, are you asking about the Penguins or are you asking about Wilkes-Barre slash yeah. Scranton? It sounds like he's asking yeah, about Yeah, well, they're two different. Yeah, well, I mean, because they're cities. Like yeah. there's Wilkes-Barre and then there's Scranton 20, 20 miles away. It's not an under Mifflin. Ref- the Penguins, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins have been around since 99, so older than the office. Um, no, but I mean, it's just part of the same uh, metropolitan area in the in the Wyoming Valley. So that's why um, their name, it has the name of both cities. And what the Yankees, I think, or is it the Yankees AAA affiliate? The Yankees um, AAA affiliate, but the, it's the other way around. It's the Scranton yeah, because there's, they're it's, in Scranton. Yeah, because their stadium is in Scranton, so... Be, they're in Scranton, so there's Scranton Wilkes-Barre, but again, it's the same metropolitan area. So, um, you know, they share like like they're the newspapers there are for for both areas. So, um, it's just, yeah, like you said, it's 20 miles away from from each other. Super quick baseball one to sneak in. Sherrod says Eric Gonzalez takes over shortstop full time once Hayes comes back. I hope so. I hope so. Kevin Newman's had his chance. He's hitting 180. Uh, this team needs to compete. You know, at least for now, they need to compete. They need to put their best players on the field here. And Paul closes us off today, of course, with the draft because it's draft day. And he says, is there a player the Steelers are willing to trade up for if he starts sliding? 
And I'll before I throw it to Carter, yeah, I will remind that Kevin Colbert, his exact two words as it relates to trading up were very doubtful. So I don't get the sense that they are super enamored of anybody up there where they would go, wow, we're going to do a Devin Bush or a Troy Polamalu and slide up. Right. No, I, I agree entirely. That's the take here is that there are, you know, sure, there are great talents that are sitting up there, but nobody they're like, that's a desperate need that we have. Like Devin Bush, they needed the inside linebacker. If they didn't have Devin Bush on the roster, maybe that would be the call with Michael Parsons this year. But that ain't the case. The one player, the only player who I think this would apply to. But don't say Justin, Fields. Don't say Fields. Just, it's Justin Fields. Oh, it's the he only, said Fields. It's the, yeah, he I said, said the thing. Fields. I did the thing. I did the thing. <laughs> because that's that's my thing here is that Justin Fields, to me, he is the se- the 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 second best quarterback in this class. It is Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and then the rest of the guys are down here. Wow, not That's- everyone. You know, not everyone concurs with that. No, okay. I know a lot of people. There's people that say that Justin Fields should be drafted 32nd overall, and I just oh, I'm my. like like that's ridiculous. And to me, if, if he get if in this hypothetical world where I don't think will happen, if Fields were to slide to 19, 20 range. That would be when They'd get when, fidgety. They'd get I, fidgety. I would I'd, I would consider picking up a phone if I'm Kevin Colbert. Normally I wouldn't because I don't think they should trade up in this draft. They need to trade back and get more picks. But Justin Fields is the exception to the rule. Well, thanks to Paul for the question. Thanks to everybody for all the questions. Thanks to everybody for watching Afternoon Ask Anything. We'll have another one of these tomorrow, and I strongly suspect we're going to go heavy on football with this one. On, on nah. behalf of Taylor Haas and Chris Carter, I'm Dan Kovacevic, and thanks for checking in with Afternoon Ask Anything.